I have problems, you have problems, we all have problems, but as our guest will tell us today, you can have problems and still win. All right, welcome everyone back to the Get Over It podcast. I am your host, Dr. Christopher Fasano. We have another great guest today. Before we get to our guest and this episode, I just want to remind you guys to visit podcast.overit.com. You can find more information about this show, our producer, Adam Claremont, over at Studios, and all our previous shows. There are also links to the available pod players where you can find this show. It's a lot easier to listen to them on uh, podcast players like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can also subscribe to those to make it easy. The show will go right into your device. You can also subscribe and watch the interviews on YouTube. So make sure you check that out. Uh, give a subscribe. Tell your friends and subscribe. Leave a review. Let us know how we're doing. We always like the feedback and it also will help the show in its ranking. So today, our guest is Ryan Hanley. Ryan is a author. He is a keynote speaker. He is in the insurance game, has his own insurance agency, Rogue Risk. We're going to talk to him about that, but we're going to talk to him about his journey um, in the insurance game. He's unique in that. He shook it up a little bit. I've met, I've, I've known Ryan for a few years. We've worked together and I really admire his passion. He's someone like me who just leaves it all out there for you. And so it should be a really fun conversation. Ryan, good to see you, man. Dude, it's great to see you. Um, it's been been too long since we got to share space so I know. this is fun this is great and i always enjoy having conversations i remember just when we were working together um we went to the city for something and we would just randomly converse about random topics yeah and it's always fun so i want to i have a lot i want to talk to you about but you have a really interesting journey and on the show we, we we get into the journey and we find places where you had to get over things and get through things. So I want to go back. Um, I believe if I remember right, you were a math major. Is was, that right? Yeah, University okay. of Rochester. Okay, so like like you, like me, I was a biochemistry, molecular biology major. You're a math major. And I don't think we fit those molds when people meet us, right? As the traditional, what a math major someone nah. might think of or like a biochemistry major. So I always ask like, where did that go? So you didn't go into mathematics as a career? No, so... Um the, the, how this works is I am a hick from the middle of nowhere in upstate New York, a town of less than a thousand people. And the day that I said to my mom, my parents were divorced. I said to my mom, um, I think I want to go to college. Her response was like, oh, that's great. Like that was, that was it. <laughs> cool. Like she was just like, oh, okay, yeah, that's, that's the next awesome. thing. All right, fine. She's like, well, what is that? What is, what do you do? And, uh, you know, what does that take? And, and so I figured out how to get into school and, uh, I was a decent baseball player, so I picked Division three and two colleges within four hours, and I just applied everywhere. And with my application, you know, with my application, the written app, well, you had a handwritten yeah, one, like yeah, us back yeah, in the day. No more, yeah, like, like me. People yeah. don't know about that, man. Yes. Those are handwritten applications yes. back then. Yeah, yeah, you are filling out the yeah, FAFSA exactly. form by yep. hand, right? So I'm, um, uh. I'm sending in, and then I also wrote letters to the baseball coaches for all those schools. Okay. And I said, look, I'm applying to your school. I'm a power hitting catcher, you know, whatever. I wrote, you know, this whole like, yeah, snap. Yeah, yeah. like we all dust yeah. ourselves up, like we're better. And I said, I'm basically going to go with whoever gives me the most money. That was the whole note. Though it was, I'll be good for your team. I get my grades will get me it in, right. but I need you to help yeah, you me get it because I didn't have any money. I was poor. So, uh, University of Rochester gave me the best plan. So that's where I went to school. Like, I would love to say that this was my vision was to be a, yeah. my dream was to be a yellow jacket. No, <laughs> I mean, um, it ended up being a great school. I mean, it was a top 30 school at the time. I don't know where it is today. Um, I know they focus more on liberal arts. Um, so who knows? But, um, you know, I thought I wanted to be a mechanical engineer. That sounded like right. 
a career that you made money. Sure. Coming yep. from where I came from, I was like, oh, mechanical engineer. Sounds like I can make some money. Well, I learned somewhere around second semester of my sophomore year, I was rocking like a one three. Um, hadn't been to class. That would be GPA. Yeah, GPA. Yeah, yeah, GPA. Um, I found that I basically had to make a decision. I could either continue playing baseball, drinking beers, and chasing women, or Or, be a mechanical engineer. So I didn't decide against mechanical engineering (laughs) and went to my guidance counselor or whatever and said, hi. So, right. Here's the Here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm at. What can I graduate on time with? And she said, well... Basically, math is the only one. Your option. <laughs> and, and the reason was because I could take all these like journalism and other classes. To so get it wasn't like you were like passionate about like, math. integrals and like derivatives was your game. You were just like, no. I got to I got to graduate no. in 301 math. <laughs> one of these things was obviously not like the other. Right. They, you right, know, all right. these kids who were just they're up on the chalk. I mean, this is back at chalk. So so chalkboard. A plus B equals C. Prove this. And I would look at him and be like, what, what, what am is, I looking what, at? What, 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 what am I even doing? talking about? And these kids would break down. They're doing all this stuff. And I'm like, where do you You're even? like, yeah, that's great. No idea. So I found, um, a, luckily, a friend of mine's girlfriend was very smart. And I just latched onto her and cheated off her uh, for the last two semesters of my career. And ended and up then you got graduated on time. So it all worked out for you in the end. Two so then one, baby. So where does it take? So now you're, you, you've, you achieve that. You get your way. You find your way through now you're coming out and now you're you're so not what, you're not play, you're not going to play professional baseball not going to play professional so, baseball and no. you're not going to be solving like breaking code and mathematics no nope. so where do you end up where do you go now so i so at that time it was i don't want to be a professor that's obvious right. i don't want to be a school teacher nothing against them i just that's not you i would not fit, me yeah i wouldn't fit that career i have be patient on my arm yes. that wouldn't be for me <laughs> um and so the only other option was to go into corporate america so that's okay. what i did i worked for an accounting firm as a consultant for a few years. That was a fine job. I worked for American Express in New York City. That was a fine job. Um, so we're in numbers though, no? Or no, like your your game, when you said you do consulting and accounting firm. Yeah, because I, I, could, I could always do numbers. Right. So that's, okay. how I got, right. okay. that's how I got into the programs. Right. I mean, I maybe I'm slightly underselling myself. I mean, you're not an idiot. I'm I mean, not, that's not right. I would like okay. to believe I'm not. I, I know you're not It depends on who idiot. you talk okay. to, but. Um, so, so yeah, so I go into these corporate jobs and, I'm, and, they're, and they're perfectly fine. Uh, so fast forwarding how I get to insurance. I just always assumed I would never come back to Albany. It's not that I dislike this place. But you were out. Kind I of, just never thought right. I would come back here. Yeah. I figured I'd be someplace warm. I love the ocean. I, I figured just someplace else. Um, and I just were, I figured whatever female I ended up shacking up with, wherever she was from or wanted to go, that's where that's I That's your go. new home. And I ended up finding, um, who turns out to be the love of my life? And I'm, Someone back in Albany? She's from Albany. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so how the universe works... Um, she's from Beth. She grew up in Bethlehem and her dad, uh, owns an insurance agency here in town, the Murray group. And we were, it was 2005, I think 2006. And uh, we had, we were living in New York city and she just, we decided we wanted to move home and kind of the writing was on the wall that we were probably going to get married. And he, this is like out of a mafia movie. We're at a Christmas party. He taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, I want to talk to you. You Pulls me into the (laughs) office, you know, this high back leather chair. Like one of those offices you see where it like looks pretty, but it has no function at all. Exactly. Um, So we're sitting in this room and he said, hey, it's, I heard, you know, Lauren told me you guys are thinking about coming home. What are you thinking about doing? I said, well, I don't really know. Um, Haven't really enjoyed being a consultant. I was thinking about sales. And he said, well, what do you want to sell? I mean, this is all going someplace. Finally, he basically says, look. I want you to come work for the agency. I'll teach you how to sell. It's a good career. If nothing else, you learn how to be a salesman 
and you'll make some money. I think basically he wanted to guarantee that his little girl wasn't going to be married to a bum. Right. I think that's what he wanted. Right. So he was like installing something. Yes. Was she working for the agency at the time? She was actually working for Marsha McLennan, uh, which is one of, for anyone who doesn't know, it's one of the largest insurance brokerages in the entire world. Um, So she wasn't in the business. Not yet. Okay. But she does now. She does now. now. Right. She does now. So, but at the time, no, doesn't matter. And you know nothing about the insurance game? Nothing. Okay. Nothing other than I know it exists. Right. I had bought it, car right, insurance. And you have insurance of yes, some sort. Yes, I had yeah. car insurance before. Okay. That's all I knew. So I kind of boots on the ground producer. I put 50,000 miles on my car. I'm selling policies at people's kitchen tables at seven and nine o'clock. I mean, today. So you're out and about. You're out and around. Constantly. Okay. Constantly. Right. So for eight years, I did that. And the first two, in the first two years, I realized right away, I am a terrible salesperson, like a, like a traditional cold call, knock on doors, hound you right. for stuff, insurance right. salesman. Right. I'm terrible. It's not, it's not an easy game, right? You, you, you have to you have, have a certain disposition. Yeah, I know. You have to be willing. Um, and I think you have to get over those barriers where you're like, and being intrusive and it's annoying. Like you yes. can't think like that. So now I know, um, now I know the basics of it. At the time I didn't like, like my, my father-in-law, I probably got, I got a world-class education in insurance. He is one of the best professionals. The way he handles people, the way he handles his customers, it was awesome. He, he wasn't the best insurance sales coach. Right. He'd just done it for a really right, long right, time. Right, right, so right. It's hard to teach sometimes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. by watching him, I picked up on a lot of stuff. But like the some of the emotional stuff, like, uh, like now I know to be a good salesman, the key is to disconnect yourself from the outcome. Correct. Don't care about the outcome. Right. You just got to go for it. You just got to keep going, yeah, keep yeah. talking, keep working. Someone says, no, thank you. Not the right time. Move on to the next person. Yeah. If you can disconnect from the outcome, just that singular concept will change your entire career. Okay. I didn't know that at the time. So what I did, what I did like to do was educate people. I like to talk. It's probably obvious at this point. Um, so I started, I'm just learning these coverages and I had this like epiphany one day, uh, I, I had a woman ask me, I was writing home and auto for her. And she asked me about underinsured motorist coverage. And I kind of like bullshitted my way through You're the like, answer. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I kind of worried and I got back to the office and I was like, man, I couldn't give her right. like a good right. solid answer. So I went and and I had a book that I learned to take the test. I, I knew enough to take the test, but I didn't know how to like right. explain it. it wasn't, right. Yes. It wasn't in my tongue. So I read this page and I, and I was like, man, how do you, like insurance consumers. How do regular people know this? If I'm selling it to them, right, I don't even know. have no idea. So uh, I just, I don't know why I started doing this. I just started posting stuff on LinkedIn. And this is 2008 so this LinkedIn. this is early. This is, way LinkedIn early. is way, way early. Right, yeah, There's, right. You're literally just putting something in a box right. and it's going into a yep. feed. There's no. And these posts were about about different products, about things in insurance. What is underinsured motorist coverage? Yep. And then I'd put like three or four sentences. Yep. And it was getting like minimal traffic, but I got a couple people that would connect and, hey, thanks for this. I mean, it was brand new. So everything was kind of new at the time. So maybe I was a little lucky in that there was nothing out there right. at all. And then I said, well, this form isn't really working. It's too short form. There was like a limit on the characters and it looked like crap. Um, and WordPress was just starting to become a thing. So I, I don't know why, but I, I created a WordPress blog, ryanhanley.com, which is now my insurance podcast. Yeah. So if you were going, you wouldn't find this stuff. But at the time I dubbed myself the Albany insurance professional. And at ryanhanley.com, I just started writing blog posts about insurance coverages. So every time someone would ask me a question about a coverage that I didn't know, I would go back 
I would research that coverage and, and I would write a blog there. post about it. See, the beauty of that is that you took something that on its face, I think people look to be inherently boring. Terribly boring. Right, and you're not a boring person. So the two come together and you take a boring subject, make it interesting to the best of your ability. Yep. And then I'm, I'm assuming as the content rolled into video, and speaking, yep. you were able to put your personality behind Much it, and more. that's kind of where it went, so, right? So, yeah, so what's really interesting about this from a content perspective, um, and I, there's, there's a whole nother, well, we'll get to that, I guess. But so, so I'm doing this, this is, this is probably 2009, I'm blogging, and for the first six months, nothing happened. I felt like I was just shouting into the wind. There wasn't a great way to share it, really. There right. was really, like Facebook right. was kind of yep. around, LinkedIn was kind of around, Twitter yep. was kind of around, but... You know, there was RSS feeds yeah. are really big, but mm -hmm. who wants to subscribe to Yeah, that was to like them? blogging game was hard. That was big yes. then. That was when the blogs. And you would, you, so you were trying to get people to connect to you. And I, I won't go into the nuances of that. That's a whole other thing. But, but it took about six months. And what I started to do was get bored. So I started injecting personal stuff. Like I'm a huge Buffalo Bills fan. So I started like putting little jokes about, you know, um, you know, you can trust me cause I'm a bills fan, right? Like anyone who would take this much punishment in their life, you know, like <laughs> yeah, now really. Josh Allen, but like at the time we had like, it was like just the days of us getting pounded on. So, so it was like, you can, you know, that if I'm willing to put up with this much pain right, and right, suffering, right. I must you, you, you can trust what I'm, saying. Trust what I'm right. saying. And what's funny is people started to respond to that and people would make little comments. Oh, Hey yeah. man, you know, the bills or whatever. Cause you humanize yourself. hundred yeah. percent. And, uh, nine months after I started, uh, I got a call from a woman and her name was Virginia. She's from, I think she might even still be a client of the Murray group. I don't know if you're listening, Virginia, thank you for being a client. <laughs> um, you changed my life. Uh, she called me and she said, Hey, I'm from Clifton park. Uh, I've been reading your blog. I've been posting twice a week. And that must've also, by the way, that must be like people are reading my blog. Cause back then it's not like oh, you don't have the advanced analytics and you don't know what's good. You're, you're putting all this crap I'm out like there. Vibrating. Yeah, I'm like vibrating. Oh like, my wow, God. Someone, someone knows what I'm, doing. what I'm doing. And she, and, and what, and this, and I, and I, I joked that she changed my life. She really did. Um, she said, hi, uh, I would, I've been reading your blog. Thank you for doing it. And, uh, I would like, I'm going to send you my stuff. I'd like you to tell me what I need and send it back to me. And I said, oh, you're looking for a quote. And she said, no, I don't want a quote. I want you to look at my stuff. Tell me what I need, send it back to me and I'll send you a check. She was already sold. She had spent enough, whatever her amount of time that she needed to spend, she had spent enough and she was a management consultant. So she needed home and auto and an umbrella. And then she needed some coverage for her right. management business. Right. So it wasn't a big account, right. but this, she basically was saying, I've read enough to trust you right. to say that right. I don't you, care what the price is. Right. I know you're going to take care of She made a connection to you. Right. Yes. And associated and, the products to you. And it was like, like if this were a cartoon, like, there would wow. be- there would be just things That's going it. off over my head. It yep. was like, oh my God. So you don't have to sell the product as so much as you have to make people believe in yourself as the person selling and the product. Tr and trust that we have their best interest in mind. Right. And that changed my whole career. So then I started blogging three, four times a week. Traffic started to go up. Because you that saw started, the potential. Yes. And then the, the real game changer was, um, so, I'm, so now I'm bringing all this traffic into a site I own, not the agency. So my father-in-law and my brother-in-law uh, came to me, who were they worked there, um, came to me and said, hey, we see what you're doing. Would you want to do that for our site? So Wait, they gave you license. They didn't care. I mean, at that point, nothing was happening. But now, right, like they, they say, Ryan, go ahead and do this. Yes. They, okay. So basically around this time, my brother-in-law and father-in-law, I had kind of tossed out the idea to them that uh, I would prefer to do it on the agency's website because there was like this barrier, right. like you had two separate situations. I just, yeah, yeah. They're, they're looking at ryanhaley.com. Why, if he's an agent for right. this, 
you know, for this agency, why isn't he, it doesn't matter. So I wanted to get past that hurdle. So when, so I'd kind of pitched them the idea. And then a few months later, they came back and they said, Hey, we agreed, let's do it. And now they, their agent, their website had done nothing ever, never more than like five pages. So I tore it down, rebuilt it in WordPress, um, which sounds more difficult than it was at the time. Um, and I said, but I, I need to kick this thing off. Like, I want to get this going. I'd already done this blogging thing. I had been slowly moving the posts over from, and, and anyone who's like a hardcore SEO is like probably like knifing themselves right now. But I've made a lot of SEO mistakes and learned lessons, but well, I was moving the posts over, but I really wanted to get the, the, the website cranking. So what I did, um, I said, I, I'm going to do something no one has ever done before. I'm going to answer a hundred client questions in a hundred days in two minutes or less, I'm going to post it to YouTube. Now, today, everyone's going, well, duh, you yeah, know, right, like, haven't you seen, you know, a, this YouTuber yeah. or that YouTube? YouTubing wasn't a thing back then. Right. I mean, right. this is like. And especially in this space, I got to imagine, like, who's doing this? I was this? the first one ever. I was going to say, like, first who's one doing ever. that, right. So, this is 2012. No, YouTube takes 20 minutes to upload a 30-second video. I mean, there's no, HD cameras it's are like crazy, thousands of dollars right. at the point. You know, you don't just have one sitting in your pocket. Uh, do you have these videos somewhere, by the way? Oh, you, you can, they're still on YouTube. Still, I was going to say, because that's the best. When you can go back YouTube. and see the progression. Some of them have like 50,000, 60,000 views at this You get those classic stories like I did it in my basement, and then yeah. you see those old oh, things. Oh, if you were to see these things, yeah, they're, it's great. they're ridiculous. Yeah. They're ridi they look... So, okay, so, there, well, there's a, ton, there's a million things I could talk about on that, but uh, just to get through this part. Um, so what I did was, uh, the month of December 2011, I, every client I bumped into, I asked them... If you could have one question about insurance answered, what would it be? No question is too simple, too big. There's no stupid questions. Just what would you like to have answered? And I got 147 questions and uh, some of them were a little crazy. Like, how would you insure a spaceship? Although that would be fun to answer. I wanted them to be more relevant. So I pared that down to 100. And then on January 2nd of 2012 and for the next 99 days, I answered a different question every day about insurance in two minutes or less. Um, and then I posted it to YouTube and then I'd take that YouTube video and I would embed it in a separate blog post on the website, put a little content around it and, and basically put it out. So, so you put a post for each one. So I was getting two pieces of content for nice. every video Nice. and changed my life. Absolutely blew up. Um, we were getting calls almost every day. Um, and then I just kept doing more of it. And it was, I was just from that point on from 2012 on, I have been a content guy. So was they mostly local or what happened? That did, like how did it, did you now notice? Now at the time, YouTube did not have the same algorithm. So uh, it took them a little longer to realize we were Albany, New York, not Albany, Georgia or Albany, right, Oregon. Right, right. Um, but then once they dialed in on that, then we started to really, it was a lot of people, a lot of New York City, Albany and like Syracuse East. We didn't get a lot from Buffalo, but this part, we just, anyone who was searching, there was no one, I mean, again, I don't want to get too nerdy about this topic, but like Google's sole purpose is to provide solutions to problems. Right. If they don't right. find- And that's the, the exact thing you were doing in a space where there wasn't a lot of resource. Like I am that. just- Right. I mean, right. I'm answering and questions- And it's a lot. It's constant. Yes. Yep. I'm answering questions that no one in history has ever answered and put onto Google. Certainly not in video form, in right. a platform at that time they had right. bought that they're trying to promote and build. So I am just 
feeding the engine. So so now you create this interesting situation where you're now affiliated with the the brand, right? The insurance company, the agency you're at, but you're growing as a person in in the space. Yeah. So you have your own brand, if yes. you will. You're generating leads, you're generating business, but you also now have a presence that you can capitalize on your own. Yes. Which in you know which happens a lot in the game of content, but you have a it's a family business. Yeah. So I am. How does that? I mean, how does that play out over time? Like. Did it get to a point where I know you started to travel and you started to yep. give talks and all these things and that all helps the brand, but did did it cause problems for you at some point? Like where does did, did you have did you did you find yourself thinking like should I should I go? Like should I do this part? Like what talk yeah. to us a little about that. So the, I had some, you know, there were some different things. So I got really into the marketing side. And I've never been overly enamored or motivated by getting someone to wet sign an application. Right. To me, to me, if you've, if you've gotten someone to trust you and you've done right by them with the product, getting them to sign is right. That's, it's the, just, that's right. just, it's, a, it's, it's just formality. formality yeah, it's formality. Right. It's a formality. So I was more interested. How do we educate people? How do we help them trust us? How do we share our way of doing business? So they know once they get in what they're going to get. And, and, and the Murray group is an amazing, I mean, this is like a marketer's dream from the standpoint of I knew that our agency would deliver on right. everything that right, I was right, saying. Right, there was right. no question right. of that. So, so that part was really nice. Um, so I started to drift a little in that I wanted to do marketing and, you know, they were very traditional. They liked to cold call and they were very referral based. And there was always a little bit of a grind there. And I just kind of hit a point where I was 32 years old. Um, this is 2014. Um, and I just, I wanted to stretch my legs a little bit. Like it was always, it was never going to be my business. Right. And, and I would have had to be okay with that. And truthfully, if I had stayed there and worked through it, could there be a, could I be doing even different or more amazing right. things? Who knows? Who knows? But, um, at that time, I just, I was kind of coming into my own. I was feeling very confident in what I was doing. I had done, you know, a couple hundred keynote presentations. I traveled around the entire country. Uh, you know, at this point I've been in like 30, I've done keynotes in like 30 some odd States. Um, it, it just, I was really trying to stretch my legs and I got the offer to be the chief marketing officer for a national insurance technology company called trusted choice. And, uh, there I built a national brand called agency nation where we became the third largest insurance publication in the United States. So I built it in four years from nothing to 500,000 visitors in four years. And it was an incredible experience. I put on two different conferences. Um, what, just, what was that conversation like when you, when you, when you went to your, to your father-in-law, your wife at that point, It was harder right? to tell my wife. I was going to say like, yeah. that must've been like, cause there's a layer there. Obviously yeah. this is your family. I enjoyed working with her a lot. We um, were very different people, but, uh, but, we fit very nicely together in terms of our personalities. She is driven and detail oriented and committed to like doing things the right way. And I am more You're like an explosion. Yes. I'm like, you know, I'm more like the can of paint just like blows yeah, up all over the wall. Yeah, and then yeah. I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah, that that's awesome. awesome. You yeah. know, where, uh, she, you know, she's like, she's now like we need the, to clean right, the paint up, right, you know, exactly. and, but it works really well. It, uh, and I say that like, there could be a lot of friction and, and uh, like all relationships there are, but um, we do work really well together. It, and it was really hard to leave that. Um, I think my father-in-law and brother-in-law saw the writing right. on the wall. They right. kind of knew that I 
kind of need to stretch and right. go and see what was out there. And I did that for four years. It was awesome. Um, you know, I learned, I became the number two uh, at that company. Uh, I was basically the CEO, then me. And I had a team, a direct 20 direct reports. I was running all of marketing, all of sales, the conference, all our communities, all our content. It was, it was really an awesome yeah, position. Talk, talk about some of the challenges that there was that, that was, that's a big difference from the role you went to. Yeah. So like, did you, it felt natural. It was, it was fun, like, it like to, to it. manage, to do all that. Like you liked it. Loved it. Every part of it. Okay. I, to be honest with you, I don't, if I'm, if I'm blessed with anything in life, it's that I don't give a shit what people think. Right. So I, I just try to do what's right by people. And yeah. I don't mean that like I don't care, but I don't let people's negativity or right. questioning, I don't let it, um, it doesn't impact my self-worth. So I just, to me, it was, I just wanted to go, go, go. And what I learned there was being, I, there started to hit a point where I was overshadowing the CEO because I was big and right. I ran the conference. Right, right, right. And, and by big, I just mean I had a, I had a, a podcast right. and I was writing you and do I was what speaking. You do. I right. was doing what I do. And um, maybe maybe I kind of lived that story again yeah. in the future. Yeah. But, um, but I feel like I live those stories too. Yeah, we so, have similar qualities. In yeah, that so thing. like, you know, my personality just got to the point where, and I never wanted his job. It was a perfect relationship right. at my point. But that's who you are. It's hard to like put it in a bottle. What am I going to do? I'm right. going to slow down? I'm right. going to be quiet? Right. Like no. that's not going to happen. That's not going to work. So- so that, so we hit a point where we had a, we had the second, I, so I started this conference in 2017. It was called Elevate. I had 320 insurance professionals there. I had Marcus Sheridan there. If you know that name, yep. I had a bunch of, mm -hmm. I had a, I just a bunch of really awesome speakers, a bunch of industry people. It was awesome. People were, I mean, this, this thing was amazing. The next year I did 820 people. Jeez. So leading up to the second year, 2018, the CEO stopped talking to me for three months before the conference. I didn't have a word to it. The first time I spoke to him in three months was the day I showed up in Cleveland for the conference. Um, and from his perspective, I was trying to take his job. And he fired me two weeks later after this conference. I put on an 820-person conference that absolutely blew the doors off the industry. I mean, it was Jeez. like we had, we had 600 of those 800 people sign up at that conference for the next year's conference. We were going to do like 15 or 1,600 people the next year. Um, fired me two weeks later. I never understood, I, like I, we've had a similar conversation about this. I never understood that because in my mind, if I'm in that role and I got someone like you or someone doing that, like it makes my job easier. It's you ego. Know? That's all, 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 all it is, right? It's all because ego. like it makes my job easier. I'm going to make more money. Things are going to be there. But it, you just can't shake that. It's like, it's all in that ego, man. I, you know, and this, and I get it. I, I, to be honest with you, I understand it. If I was in his position and there was someone like me who was, I was about eight years younger than him. I, people I, coming up to you, right? People are, people are right. thanking me right. for right. things. Right. And he's going, wait a minute, I'm the CEO right. and they're thanking him. Right. And I probably could have been a little more, if now today I would have understood that dynamic and I would have probably repositioned some things and done some things to prop right. him up so that he knew right, so he felt like, where right, he was. Right. But at the time, dude, I'm, I'm, this is yeah. the first time I've ever experienced this. I am fully basking in yeah. the glory that yeah. was, holy shit, this thing is working. Right. Like these ideas are, are happening. Right. Like we're driving people. This is working. This is working. I'm like, oh my gosh. And, and, and I don't mean like, I was being, I don't think I was being egotistical. I just wasn't considering the way that he right. would feel in that situation. So now you're out. 
I'm out. So now, so now what? So you're like, great. So I, up? well, the good news was I had so much brand energy at that time. I parlayed it into, uh, I took the chief marketing officer role for an even larger okay. insurance. So you moved on to the Yeah, next. just, you know, what, what are you going to do? Right. And um, that was a good job. I had that job for nine months. It was fun. It wasn't a great fit for me, but it was an awesome learning experience. Um, and then unfortunately a family member got terminally ill and mm -hmm. I had to move home. Okay. Um, and this is where our so stories are. You, you were down, traveling so. though, right? Like you, almost every week. Okay. So I remember that when I, when I, we came, we crossed paths, you were, you were all over the place. So uh, the headquarters for that company was in Columbus, Ohio. And then my main role as chief marketing officer, even though technically it wasn't really a content position, it was much more of like an enterprise BD position. Okay. Um, because they're, they didn't really have a strong content focus, which was kind of the disconnect. They sold me on, we want you to build what you built over there here right. for our constituents. Right. And you're like, yeah, I which can looks do that. fun. Hey, right. I got the model. I know, right. I know the people. Um, and then when I got there, they're like, yeah, we really don't want you to do that. We want you to take mm. all the connections that you built over there yeah, and, and get us yeah. into those places, which. And you had young kids at the time, young right? kids. Yeah. I'm traveling them. I think, geez, how old are they now? They're seven and five. So this would be two and a half years ago. So they were five and three. Yeah. And I'm on the road almost every week. Yeah. It's wearing my wife down. It's wearing me down. Right. Um, I don't particularly love, right. you know, even though I, I do enjoy enterprise business development, I didn't want it to be my full-time role. Um, I have no one reporting to me and I haven't done, I mean, you know, if you've spent any time in leadership and then all of a sudden you go back to everyday tasks, it's like, I'd rather just take a knife to the <laughs> eye. So, you know, I'm doing everything myself in this role and it's just, I'm, 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 wasn't a great fit. doesn't matter. So I probably wouldn't have left at the time that I did, but I had a family member get terminally ill. I had to move home. Right, you had to be home. Had to be home. Couldn't be on the road anymore. And, and then um, you took a local opportunity. That's where we cross paths. We don't have to talk about that too much because I think we would suck up way too much time. Yeah. And then you end up- So I basically relived Trusted Choice again <laughs> here. And then- um, uh, and so then you decide to get back into to your own. Now you're in yes. your own game. So did you say after after the experience of our previous where we cross paths, you're out and you have a choice. You can go work for someone else again. Yeah. Or you can do it on your own. And did you by before that, did you consider going back to Murray at all at that point or no? Were you done with it at that point? I did consider it. OK, but I had. Uh, so to, to answer your question and I'll, I'll, then I'll answer that one um, at. Uh, 8.36 a.m. on October 6th of 2019. I'm walking through the parking lot to my truck after being summarily canned again. Um, and I said, I, I don't, I'm probably not a great employee. Maybe I, this is right, the universe right, like telling is, me. Right, exactly. I'm not a great employee. Um, I did feel like I had leadership qualities and I, and, and, and what I had been able to accumulate over my insurance career was, 50,000 conversations with people from every aspect of the value chain. I'd been on the 42nd floor of Travelers and Hartford and Chubb. I'd been in Boston at all of those insurance. I'd been in technology companies and agencies of every size and scope, corporate, single person, family owned. I had been in associations. I had this, I had this network and wealth of, of, I just been privy. Right. I'm, You've I feel just blessed. accumulated all this stuff over time. And I had derived what I felt was an agency of the future. Like what, what this, what could, what I didn't think was in the market currently and what I thought I had the potential to build to fill that gap. And I, it always been in the back of my mind, but you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be offensive. Maybe I didn't have the guts, we'll say, to take that on. And uh, when I got that termination letter passed across the table to me, um, 
I was just like, this is the time. Yeah. Like, like what this am is I, this, this is the universe saying. Right. Like I can't do it. I don't want to do this. Again. I don't want to ever right. have some guy or, or woman or anyone or, you know, however you self identify, um, push a letter across the table telling me that I'm not good enough for their right. company. Right. Like screw that. Right. Uh, especially when I know that that's not the case. So, which is the hardest part, which is the hardest part. Right. You know, when you, when you honestly can look in the mirror and feel like, and this is not just the most recent one, but pretty much all of them, I only give a hundred percent. Right. Right. I don't know how to do anything else. It doesn't mean I'm always right. It just means I feel like right. I've get, plus so, there's stuff behind you to show for it. It's not like it's just you thinking that yes. there's, there's clearly stuff you leave yeah. behind. So, so that all, yes. Yeah. So, so I'm walking to the parking lot, call my wife. I said, you're never going to believe it. this just happened. She's, screaming in the phone like are you kidding me you know whatever and um and i just said i'm gonna start the agency and she said are you sure you know we kind of talked for a second and i said well i want to talk to your dad and i did um and he was great about it but what he wanted and what they want to be which is amazing and if you're looking for home and auto insurance and you live in the albany area there's no one better than the murray group insurance services i'd say that all day long um my vision was different. It's much more, I wanted to, I wanted to, the right word is, um, I wanted to have a, I call it a human optimized agency. I wanted to take the best pieces of technology and marry them to the best pieces of humans and come up with something that had never existed before. Okay. And I had this vision and it, it wasn't local necessarily. Not that it wasn't local right. per se, but it just, it wasn't just, hey, I'm going to write insurance 50 miles from my house. I wanted it to you be bigger. You wanted to be, yep. And, and everything about it was, this is an idea that if we can make it work, one is going to be incredibly valuable. Two is going to help a ton of people. Three could change the course of what our industry believes is possible for serving customers because there's a major grind between what insurance consumers want and what they're currently getting in most cases. And I feel like what I'm trying to build is bridging that gap, is showing that you can have something that's easy to do business with and know that there's a human that you can call who's going to help you if you need that. You can have both those things. Which really does matter, right? I think it does. I think it does too. I think it does. So, so you know, I, uh, I've been, I, I kind of ran my idea past him. It was immediately obvious, though. I, I love my father-in-law to death. He's a tri I mean, I, he's an amazing guy. Um, and one of these days I'm going to beat him at golf, even though he's like 30 years older than me. Um, uh, it was just obvious that wasn't the that, right fit. Right. And rogue risk was born. So that was it. So you started that. When was this now? March 9th of 2020, seven days okay. before the zombie apocalypse hit upstate New York, <laughs> otherwise known as COVID. Oh my God. So that's a whole nother game like that. I mean, did that, I mean, you're, you're starting this, you're, you're, you don't have an office, you don't have an infrastructure yet, right? So we use the Troy Innovation Garage, the co-working space as our physical location. So okay. if someone wants to meet us in person, okay. that's where we would meet them. It's professional. It's great. I love Tom. I love the team down there, Leela Rutherford and everybody, but um, we don't have an office. Right. So now you have, you were just telling me you have how many people now? So we have four people. Okay. Uh, one lives here in the Albany area. Uh, then I have one outside of Chicago, one down in Florida and one in the Philippines. So- I want to really, you know, as we get through, like now we're at your journey, we're at your current, I want to understand a little bit. You're, you're a guy that has, you've had, you have and have had tremendous success, but you've also had those tremendous drops. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And like, kind of like think, Bitcoin. I'm right. like the yeah, Bitcoin exactly, of careers. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. But that is life, man. Yeah. 
that is life. You, you, I know you, you talked about someone in your family had a terminal illness. Like that is another, like something that I'm sure pulled you and your family way down. This is what I always say in the life is this perpetual hail, hailstorm. You're just looking for a break and a little bit of sun. And when you get that sun, you got to go for it. So when people are listening to this, they hear it in your voice. They hear the things. You can go to ryanhanley.com. It's still out there, right? Oh, That's yeah. where your show is. Yep. You can go check it out. You can hear in your voice. But you didn't, you were not immune to failure and to, and to drops. So I want you to talk a little bit about how you got through those parts where it was dark or down. And what did you allow yourself to go there? Oh, you, shit, yeah. Like what? Tell, tell us a little bit. I hope you, I'm allowed to swear on yeah, the podcast. I've well, well, I don't know times. if uh, Adam, 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 Adam will, yeah, will yell at me or he'll just he'll put do like his, a kaplow over my <laughs> face like beep, in Batman. <laughs> um, like, how do you got over those things? Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, you know, so I, I launched the agency on March 9th of 2020. Uh, March 16th, um, the Honorable Governor Cuomo decided that we should shut our, our state down and did. Um, and I didn't sell an insurance policy for three months. So here I am launching right. a business. Right. How we make money is selling insurance. Right. And you got nothing. And I can't sell policy right. because we're all scared. I mean, right. I'm, I'm being facetious about the, the, my tone. Um, but... It, you know, we're all scared. We're all in our houses. We don't know what's going on. And no one is going to take a right, call from right, insurance. Exactly. Hey, 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 I want to save some money right, on your business right. insurance. Um, so I, I don't, so now at first I'm like, oh, you know, we'll get through this boom. And I'm doing, I'm going to do this stuff that needs to get done while this crazy time is going on. And then that kind of turned into, well, geez, you know, it's been three weeks and it's been four weeks. And now, you know, the stress is starting to stack up a little bit. I mean, cause it, even though we don't have an office, it still costs money to run an insurance agency. Sure, yep. like you got to have licenses and all kinds. There's a lot of stuff that goes into it that is like technology driven and licensing driven yep. and all this stuff. So I'm spending money and no, no money's coming in. And there's, it's not even like there's a right, pipeline. You, right. There's just no hope. It's right. just my pipeline and my CRM is just empty. And, um, it was brutal. And you know, then, He's, oh, I'll have a beer at the end of the night to relax. And then I'll have two beers and then, oh, I'll just get drunk on a Tuesday because I'm really stressed. Right. And then, you know, you stop working out and you start eating and. Which is um, so, which is so many people during yeah. this time. Yes. And, yep. and, and, and everyone goes, I'm not alone of in course. this, but I let myself. And, and what was weird was I still was working out, but like, I was just in a very dark place. Yep. It just was tough to be optimistic. It was tough to be energized because it's like, I have this vision and I feel like. There's an anchor. Right, it's just holding you down. And I can't, right. I like, I can't get to the air. It's like my mouth is like constantly the wave, right. each new water wave back. is like yeah. putting water, you know, like I just can't get above the surface. And, um, and, and, and then, you know, maybe I'd sell one policy and then it would go a week without selling another one. You're like, oh my God. And, and people may not realize this, but you don't make a lot of money selling insurance. You have to sell a lot of insurance to make money. Like you don't get rich on, right. on one right. policy. Right. So like, Okay, I made a couple hundred bucks. Right. Great. Great. I got to keep going. I got to sell yeah, like yeah. a thousand more. Right. Um, but did that give you anything, those couple, or no? It's nah, like, no. It was, yeah. it was, it was tough. Um, the summer started to help, right? So the right, sun comes we out. Got a little better, right? We started yeah. to go outside. Yeah. Um, and that started to help. And then, and then life started to come back. I mean, naturally, July, August. But, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't until really August or September that we started to kind of hit our stride. And I'm also, I am alone right? and I'm self-funding. Yep. So it's just my bank account going down. I'm all by myself. I have no one to call. Everyone's kind of dealing with the same thing. So it's not like everyone can give you like great advice. 
And, um, yeah, it, it was, it was some pretty dark times. I mean, again, the reason that my wife and I, I think make such good partners is that I, as much as at the moment, I may not appreciate it. She is able to give me that candid feedback of like, you, you got to get yourself off. together. Yeah. And, and really, you know, you, you said life's a hailstorm. You're looking for the sun. You need to take it. Um, I, I kind of think that the, the way I view it and, and maybe philosophically I have an issue with just in general, the way our culture is currently moving, but life always sucks. There's always something that can suck mm -hmm. and there's always something that can be awesome. And you have the choice to choose which one you have. Right. So I feel like right now there's this general disposition that like we can just make excuses because things are hard. Things have always been hard. Right. When has it ever not been hard? It's I, I don't know that I've lived a day where I was like, this is friggin' easy. Right. It, that wasn't the case. It, that's never been the case. So maybe there are a few humans in life where things have been easy, but I don't even know that that's the case. I think it just looks like it is from Correct. Instagram or whatever. But you get to choose. You either get to choose that this, you're going you're gonna to look at this and you're going to let it beat you or not. So um, my kid is playing travel baseball now, which is awesome. I love that's, baseball. That's awesome. I play baseball. I'm a baseball player. It's an enormous commitment, which I was not. Dude, are you prepared. nuts on the sidelines yet or no? No, I, I can I, see uh, you just sitting there so like I'm coaching, freaking which out. is nice. Um, I love it. I love coaching. I love the kids. I love being part of it. Yeah, I can definitely see how people get a little bonkers, though. I would love to believe that because... I unfortunately think the people that get really crazy never actually played, which is the problem. Right, right, right. When you right, see right, people, right, right, those super guys, the guys super who I know yeah. who played, yeah, they're more measured. They just get it. Yeah, they get what's going. They on. They understand the process. Like right. being a freaking idiot doesn't like if you didn't get you didn't get to the next level in any of these sports by being an idiot. So when you see those people, you're like that person's doing that because they never really got there and don't know what it's like. That, that's a whole, maybe that's a story. Maybe that is a microcosm for life. But, um, but like I said to my kid, so, you know, he, so we started in January with practices and we've been practicing ever since January. And in January, he was terrible. Seven years old. Couldn't catch. He couldn't barely throw. He couldn't barely hit. Right. But he committed himself to it. And about maybe it was like a month or so ago, he had like a regression. Now again, he's seven. So the fact that he is like functioning on the baseball field is, is, a, is amazing. But he had a regression. I could tell he was getting really frustrated. And, um, and, and he, you know, he's saying, dad, you know, this and that and this. And I said, look, man, like, because I treat, I treat my son like an adult, even though he's seven. Right. We listen, I do that too, to a listen, fault sometimes, I feel like. But. Well, we listen to hardcore gangster rap. We just got into, we, I just, I kind of layering him through, like we're in the dirty South right now. So. It's, it's funny too, because it's really, really, I don't want to digress, but like my kid got this thing and it was like, name your favorite musicians. And in class, he was like, dad, so we're talking about, it. I was like, you know, Jay-Z and whatever. And everyone's like, who's yeah, Jay-Z? No, no, I'm like, that's my boy right there. They know man. like the kid pop yeah, version like, or whatever. That's my boy right there. They, they had, uh, they got to choose walkout songs and Duke chose Regulate by Warren G. And I was like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> dude. Yes. Um, uh, just because to go that area, that was like the, that was such a good era for, for rap, but, um, it doesn't matter. So you were saying that you treat them. Yeah. So I, so I said to him, I go, look, dude, like you can let this beat you and define you or you can step the fuck up and go do it. And I literally said that to him. I said those words to him. I, I said, you can, this is your choice. If you want to, however you want to be, I'm your dad. I'm here. I'll coach you. Right. You want to go to right. the park every day and have me hit grounders at you? I will go to the park. If you want to go two times a week, I'll go two times a week. Right. It is your choice. Right. You can be as good as you want to be. It's what you have to choose it though. And there are right. going to be days where right. you can't catch a ground ball for whatever reason. It's 
bitten your arms and it's hitting your legs and you're frustrated and the field is wet and blah, blah, blah. And those days are going to happen. And we just get through those days. Right. And we but show he again. has you to go to if he, th- if he feels in that place. Yeah. You, have pro- you have provided a space. And you said, look, man, do this. But he knows he can go to you if he's feeling in, like, if he gets into a rut. Hopefully, he now knows he can go to you. Sometimes as an adult, like you were saying, you were get, you had a beer, then it was two, then it was whatever. Who do you turn to? You have to have friends. Right? It has to be has like to be a support, friends. right? It can't be like, you can't, people, we, I, I, I talk this a lot about people in the show. You can't do it alone. No. It's impossible. I don't care how much money you have, how big you are. There has to be something that you look for, for inspiration or for otherwise, you're just going to, you'll just languish. There's nothing there. So uh, to continue to this point, to continue in the story, August, September, we uh, start writing some policies. Things are starting to pick up. Um, I took on, I did a a small friends and family round, which is really to bring on a couple strategic partners. And I took on three individuals. Um, and they all came in in January and I real if, if you were to ask me when my business really started, it was when they came in, when I added these three people who I, the money wasn't what I really needed. What I needed was someone to call, right? You needed, I need to call someone and go, I have this idea. Am I crazy? Right. Like, is this a crazy idea? Like, should I, I have this priority and this priority, which one, like, I'm thinking this one, what are you thinking? Well, let's talk through it. And um, all three of them have different, uh, slightly different expertises and viewpoints and mentalities and connections. Which is what you need. And I, today, uh, we're moving into our seed round, which is very exciting. Um, it's a huge step up for us. Um, we're, it's like, it's time to go for escape velocity and, and start to really grow this business to, to where I want it to be. It would not be possible. Not, not like... Oh, maybe like not possible. Rogue might not even exist if I hadn't taken these guys on simply for the emotional part of it to be able to call them and say, you know, you know, Matt, Chris or CJ, those are the three, like for whichever one I think has the insight that this is going through my brain. Like what, like, what am I missing? What's happening here? How does this work? What do you think about this? And just to have them give me honest feedback and to just sometimes be able to call and just yep. bitch. Yeah, I know. Just yeah. blah, 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 right. blah, 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 blah. And know you're getting candid, candid responses back. Yes. I think you're also like I, knowing, knowing uh, where, we, where we work together, like you're going to have a bunch of smart people in the room. If you're not going to listen to those smart people in the room, you just have smart people in the room. Yeah. Like that's a mistake. Like you can't, you can't surround yourself with really, really smart people and have them be a part of your team or be a part of it and just have them there to never listen to them and to never engage with them. You have to be able to listen and learn and listen to opposing opinions and be okay with that. And it seems like that's where you're going. So even in your, in your world where you're like, Maybe I'm not a good employee and I got to do this by myself. You still have to be open and are open to other people's inputs. You can't buy a thoroughbred and not expect it to run. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's I, great. That, yeah, that's a good. Yeah, I just, yeah. I, um, I feel like on two separate occasions, I've been a vanity hire. You think so? I think so. I think that, I think that, and this is going to sound egotistical, I don't mean it to be. I think that because of my online presence, because of the way I present sure. myself, to someone who maybe is, is, I think can't do those things, looks, looks at right. it and goes, wow, this would be great to have part of the team. Right. And then they get me in and they're like, oh, but now he's got like opinions. Right. Now I got to control that. Now I, I have to listen right. to this. Right. I'm not interested in that. Right. And it's like, I'm all for being a team player and, and I think that I can be, 
Um, to be honest with you, I love being a team player. I One of the mistakes about Rogue is, you know, like in a perfect world, I would have had my wife or someone like her, like some detailed type A driver as a business partner who would have been, and, and in that world, I think we would be even farther along if I had taken a business partner, right? And, and form this company together with them because I think I can play in a team. But oh, to your point, um, I personally do not have the personality and I know a lot of people like this. They, if you're going to ask me to be on the team, you're going to get right, you're all getting, of it. You're getting me. You're getting yeah. all of it. Just mm-hmm. like, and, and not just me, there's a lot of people like this where I think um, I just, I had a, a friend of mine. She, she's one of the most creative, interesting people. She does uh, triathlons and she's super creative and um you know, she was hired to be the chief marketing officer of a company and then they like didn't want her to do video. And I'm like, she's like the video, like when she's on video, right. she like, like you, lights it you up. You know what you've got Yeah, she's there. like, she's like a female Casey Neistat. I mean, she's just, she's just got the camera moves and the tricks and the lighting and the, the intro, all this stuff and great at the messaging. And I'm like, but then you're going to tell her not to do video? Like what? And then it's like Mariano Rivera, like, don't throw the cutter. Yeah. <laughs> hey, go play right field. Like, hey, Mariano Rivera, go play right field and don't, don't complain about it. I don't understand. Like it's, you know, so I think, I think as a leader, it's important to know, you know, so there's a bunch of lessons here, right? As an individual, if you're going to join a team and you, and you feel like that kind of person, you're, you're on that side of the whatever chart you're on, um, understand, like, when you join, be very diligent in figuring out where your voice is going to fall and how the, how it works and be comfortable. If you, if you can, if you get a feel for, look, we want to hear your voice, but you're not going to get a vote, at least today. You have to join and be comfortable right, with that. Right. And then maybe, hey, maybe, maybe you'll you work your way vote. in. Right. Right. Okay. Or say, hey, look, I, thank you so much for this opportunity, but I really want to be part of the decision-making team. That's where I'm at in my career. Uh, you know, what you can't do is go in knowing what you're going to get and then complain about it. Right. That's where the problem is. Yep. And I made, the, I made that mistake a couple times not properly vetting the opportunity to right. understand, understanding the situation, understanding the situation. Right, right. And then when I came in, I was like, okay, here I am. Here I am. And, and they're, they're like, like well, yeah, but we don't really, we don't want, really that. want that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. don't want that. So, um, and then as a leader, I think you have to, the other side of it is just as true. When you bring someone in, um, you have to let them know immediately and set a standard. Look, you're, you know, and tell them up front, like where you're at today, here's where you fall. And here's how much of your voice gets added to the conversation. Right. And then there's either more upside or there's not more upside. Right. And, uh, you know, and I, I recently had this with the, the very first um, person in the U.S. So the, my very first hire was, uh, was from the Philippines. Um, he's awesome, still with us. Um, but then my second hire, uh, she lives here locally, and she came in as an account manager. And uh, it became, it was clear to me in like two, like two minutes that she was not an account manager. She's going to, and she has moved to our operations role. She's just driver, detail-oriented has no qualms asking questions, has no qualms getting stuff done. And it's like, I could have forced her to be an account manager. I could have done that. Or just take this person and move them, like right person, right seat. Like anyone who's ever, I don't know if anyone's into EOS. We operate the entrepreneur operating system, Mm -hmm. EOS system uh, from the book Traction in our office, which I absolutely love and would highly recommend. Happy to answer questions about that uh, for anyone who's afterwards, not about here. But, um, and they talk about their, Right person, right seat. Right person, right seat. You can have the right person in the wrong seat and you can have the wrong person in the right seat. But you got to figure out what seats you need and then find the right person right. for that seat. The wrong person in the right seat is a bad fit. Right. And 
and she was the right person in the wrong seat. But that's as an okay. Manager. It takes the leader to recognize that you have them in yeah, the wrong seat. Mean, yeah, it doesn't mean right. if you do that, right. everything's broken. Right, correct. It just means you have to recalibrate. Right. And to force that person to stay there would only be a grind. Correct. And it's not that she couldn't do the job, but she wouldn't, we wouldn't be maxing her value. And now, you know, now there's limitless upside to where she could go. So I think, and again, I don't know that I would have known that if I hadn't experienced it on her side right. multiple times. Right. Right. Sometimes it's you, just experience. Right, it's a little bit of man. empathy too. Yeah. That's the other part about being a human. You got to be able to recognize and go, yeah. go there and understand, put yourself there and see yeah. what it was like. I'm not the most empathetic human in the world. I know that about myself, but I do think that I care about people. Um, but I struggle with, uh, I, <laughs> my wife, you know, she accuses <laughs> me of being a little, not always the most empathetic because I do, I am more of the, like we all have shit, go figure it out. Like figure it out. Like if it's what you really want. Right. I just don't like, I don't like complaining and excuse making. Right. But those, but that doesn't mean you can't be empathetic. Right. I guess it just, you sure, be capable of it. Maybe it's your definition of what empathy is. It could be. And, and, but I, again, like, you know, I, I'm with you too. I think we reach a balance in life and I know we're coming to, to time. So I want to, I want to make sure I get, get a close, but um, I think we're coming to a point in life where we are more, people are more allowed and capable to talk about their problems and mm -hmm. their issues. And as someone who's really into mental health, I, I love that. There's a balance though. Mm -hmm. There, you should be able and have a forum to talk about how you're feeling, that should be respected, and you should be able to follow that, get the help you need, and use that to guide you. But you can't use it as a way to just withdraw yourself from the world from competition, from society. There's a balance I think we have to strike. It's a tough conversation because it's very politically charged mm -hmm. and there's a lot, you gotta be PC about it. But you don't we, have to be. Well, you don't have to be. You don't have to be. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, I, I, I think that th that's there's an interesting balance there, especially as, as our kids get older, they're gonna be in this world where it's gonna be like, you don't have to do that if you don't want to. I wanna touch on you this You don't point. have to do that if you don't want I to. I wanna touch on this And point. like, I don't know if I agree with that, but like, we got to find a balance somewhere. Can't be like, don't talk about that, your problems, hold it all in, be a man. I'm not there, but I'm also not, yeah, give up whenever you want. I'm also not there. So there's, there's got to Have problems be. and win. Right. Because we all have problems. Correct. So I'm, this is, this is where I, again, I said this to my son. Uh, I have two sons. So I said this to both of them. They're in the car. I said, I don't know that you guys, you guys will someday realize the competitive advantage you have against all these other kids because I'm teaching you how to be competitive and win. Right. Because I'll tell you right, right now, the other people, yeah. competitive alpha humans, not just men, but and women or again, however you choose to self-identify, competitive humans are going to be the exception, not the rule in the foreseeable future because of the way we're raising them. Where, oh, I have an excuse. Okay, no problem. You, you're good. Right. And, and, and you could say, oh, you know that everyone gets a trophy stuff. I don't, I see it every day. I see it on the baseball field. There is a clear delineation between the kids who can make excuses right. and get yeah. away with stuff at yeah. home and the kids that yeah, can't. Yeah, I know. I see and, it too. And the kids that can't are, are they are outpacing the kids that, that can, everybody makes excuses. I make excuses. The difference is I may, I may make an excuse and then I still have to go do the thing. Right. And when you aren't right. held to, right. oh man, You I'm can't tired. just pack it in and I be like, like, you know crap. what, I'm not going to work for the next couple yeah. of weeks because I'm like, yeah, no. Yes. You, get, you have to go do the work. And I said to my, I, again, I, I, I talk to my kids a lot. I, I basically work and talk to my kids. But, you know, I'm trying to raise, I'm trying to raise young men who are going to be 
um, valuable to society and will live lives that are fulfilling to them. Cause, cause I'm a big Jordan Peterson fan. We've yep. talked about him. Yep. Um, and I think your life has to have meaning. And I think a big issue today with a lot of people, and the reason they're so unhappy is their life lacks meaning. And I think part of the reason it lacks meaning is because we aren't held to anything. Right. No one's holding us accountable. Right. So if you're not accountable to anything or anyone, and right. you can make any excuse in the world to not have to do something, your yep. life doesn't have meaning. And then all it is is a self-fulfilling yep. prophecy. And people are so into what other people are doing. Yes. And they're looking into mean, they're trying to get meaning from other people's being. Yes. And that's a terrible and thing. And it's terrible. That's a terrible and thing. And you can't outsource your meaning. And, and your meaning could be your garden in your backyard. Or it could be you really like to work out, or it could be you love to read, or you love to write, or it could be helping people. There are 10 bazillion different things that can give your life meaning, and they don't have to be competitive. It just has to be a thing. But what bothers me today in general, and I think this is an enormous competitive advantage for those who can cultivate this in, them, in themselves, is find something that gives you meaning and then hold yourself accountable to it. You're all going to have excuses. You're back's going to hurt. You don't feel like working out. That's all right. Go figure something out. Show up. Right. Even if you just walk around the gym right. for a while, be there, yeah. do something. Yeah. Right. Like this, this idea, this like swipe right society. And, and I don't mean to get political or whatever. I just think this is the competitive advantage of our day because there's access to information everywhere. Correct. You can have, it's, it's basically right. free and it's everywhere. Um, there's tremendous opportunity from a job perspective. And now that we can work from home right. and remote or overseas, right. I mean, you can do pretty right. much So how are you, you going to make, how are you going right. to, how are you going to separate yourself? And I think that um, where competition has been somehow labeled as like toxic masculinity, I'm like, that's fine. Keep doing that. You know what? The people who embrace com competition, and I don't mean competition like kick someone else down. I right. mean, holding yourself to a standard. Right. right. And that healthy regard to what competition is, you are separating yourself from everyone. You will be the exception. And those are going to be the people that lead our country. And all the, you know, I just feel like we're doing ourselves a disservice by, by making everything so easy. It's mm -hmm. not supposed to be no, easy. No, it's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be there, hard. There, there, there's a day where something is going to happen with this stuff where it's so like our social, something. Imagine it just goes away or something goes away. What do we have left? Yeah. We have a bunch of people that don't know how to do anything. Yeah. And that's really scary. And again, I know we're getting like deep and real philosophical, um, but we are up to an hour. So I want to make sure before we close, yep. people are listening to this. They're like, yo, that guy, Ryan, he's a cool <laughs> dude. Where can, where can I find you? Like, so give, give us some info. Like where can yeah. they learn about your business? Where can they learn about more about you? Listen to yep. some of your content. So uh, I, you can, so I have, uh, I have an insurance podcast. If you're interested in that um, called at ryanhanley.com. It's called the Ryan Hanley show. Um, I have, you can check Rogue Risk out at roguerisk.com if you're interested in that. Uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, I try to, I don't do that much on Facebook or, or Instagram is really just like pictures of my kids and stuff yep. for, my, for my mom and dad. But uh, like business stuff is Twitter and LinkedIn. And right. um, I'm, if you search Ryan Hanley, you'll find me on one of those two platforms. And if anyone has any questions or whatever, happy to, if you just want to troll me because you disagree with my viewpoint, that's fine too. Um, you won't be the Definitely first. Definitely troll Ryan, everybody out there. And yeah. I just want to remind everybody that uh, we're going to have all the information that we just talked about and links for Ryan's stuff in the show notes. Make sure you go there, subscribe, check us out, leave a review. Man, it was great, Ryan. Thanks yeah. so much for coming aboard, man. Thank I appreciate you. it, man.